Welcome to the I Am Podcast. My name is Carl Weaver, and I am the website content manager at I Am. If you have any suggestions for the I Am Podcast, you can email me at carl.weaver at iamovers.org. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash iamovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there. Thank you for joining us. This episode of the I Am Podcast is actually from a webcast we did back in February 2022 about the Receivable Protection Program, but we thought it was so important that we decided to re-release it as a podcast episode so you could hear it again. If you have any questions about it, you can email rpp at iamovers.org. All right, everybody, welcome to the uh, February DAB Hour. If you don't know, our DAB is the U.S. Domestic Asset-Based Mover Group that IAM launched last year. Uh, this is a great uh, initiative, and, and we're thankful that they are sponsoring this look uh, this month at the Receivable Protection Program. Now, if you're not a U.S.-based mover or a mover, uh, don't worry, this still applies to you. Um, and, and the Receivable Protection Program is also working on your behalf um, to help you as a member. But if you're interested in the DAB, we encourage you to contact us. You can connect with one of our colleagues in the chat uh, and, and learn more about that program. So today we're gonna to focus on optimizing your collections as an IAM member, uh, a guide to the Receivable Protection Program. Before we go forward, um, I'm just gonna go over some ground rules, okay? Again, this session will be recorded and available on I Am Learning. Uh, if you do not do the collections at your company, I encourage you to share the recording with the person at your company who does do that. The RPP is a really great resource to help you um, and, and your company in collecting unpaid invoices with other members. Uh, please uh, mute your microphones. Uh, we're about two years into the, the pandemic, so I think we all understand that, but just want to uh, share that so we're all um, uh, no audio issues. And then I'd encourage you to share comments and questions in the chat. We will have, um, you know, I am staff members on here today able to answer your questions. And if there's something that's a, a particular interest, you know, my colleagues on the staff will interject, break in, and, and we're flexible enough that we can go down um, a rabbit hole and address any questions that we need to. Some helpful tips for this session. So to maximize your experience, um, I encourage you, uh, if you're not already in the speaker view, to toggle over to the speaker view on Zoom. It should be in the top right corner of your Zoom interface. Uh, and that will help you really focus in on the presentation that I will give um, and also uh, be able to kind of really hone in on, on some of the key points that I'm trying to share. At the end of the presentation, I plan to open it up uh, and, and have an interactive discussion with all of you. So uh, at that point, you can toggle uh, over to the other uh, gallery view uh, where we can have a more interactive discussion. We're not just here though to uh, learn about things. Um, 
I'd also encourage you to share some information about you or your company in the chat as well. All of you are coming to this event uh, to learn about the RPP and how to protect uh, your receivables uh, for your company. And so your companies are approaching this conversation uh, from the same position. And, and maybe you have an opportunity to connect with another company through this event. So drop your LinkedIn profile, share your mobility exchange company profile, your website URL, anything like that. And maybe there's a business relationship that gets sparked out of this. Finally, you can save the chat as well on here. If you uh, navigate over to the chat and you hit the three buttons down to the right, you are able to save the chat there. So if there's some particular insight there uh, that you wanna save, um, you can do that through the chat. Okay, um, IAM puts on these webcasts. We're now pretty much hosting webcasts on a weekly basis. So. If you wanna use this platform in which to share information about your company and advertise what you're doing on behalf of the industry, we have sponsorships for you. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to us. We got, a, again, a number of IM staff on the call and we'd be happy to talk about what opportunities are available uh, on this platform. Finally, our last piece of housekeeping before we get into kind of the uh, actual meat of the conversation is our antitrust statement. And this is something that we like to talk about uh, before every uh, session. I'm not sure if we like to talk about it, but we, we need to talk about it. It's important that we cover this. So I'll just read it word for word and then we'll proceed. Discussions, comments, and presentations during IAM functions must not, one, refer to any past, present, or future rates, prices, or anything related thereto. Two, include any reference to marketing strategies. Three, include any discussion of boycotts of any person, product, or firm. Or four, inhibit any member's employees from discussing employment with other member companies. If any one of you on the call feels like we're getting into an area we shouldn't be, please interject, stop the conversation, and we'll move on to a different topic. Okay, with that out of the way, I wanna talk about some of the, the takeaways that uh, I'm hoping all of you will bring away from this conversation and bring back to your company uh, with regards to the RPP. So number one, claim early. This is the most important thing. Uh, one of my most frustrating things, and I have a role in this, but um, you know, we have to deny any claims that are submitted after a certain time frame. And so one of the things in this conversation that I want to impress on all of you is to put a process in place, either yourself or with your team to claim early. Um, so that if you are, if you've performed a service for another member and you've not been paid, that there is a process by which you are claiming to the association before the time frame. Uh, the necessary time frame elapses. Uh, I'll just uh, enunciate it there. It is uh, 120 days past the date of the invoice. If you don't report it within that time frame, we have to deny it. So I want to emphasize that we'll get a little bit more into each of these as we go on. Number two, I want you all to know that claiming is confidential. The default setting when you submit a claim to our IAM through the RPP is that it is confidential, okay? Only when you signal to IAM that you want us to intervene is when we, we take that step. Otherwise, 
whatever you communicate to IAM is completely held at, uh, in confidence. Number three, I will go through how you can claim properly. As you know, with any kind of audit process, you know, we need certain documents in order to validate that a reported claim is valid. So there are some steps that you have to take in order to validate that claim. I will show you how to do it. Finally, I wanna to communicate to all of you the value of the RPP. And that's gonna be the first thing we touch here uh, shortly. So uh, our agenda today will focus on those things, basically. We're gonna talk about what the value of the RPP is. We're gonna talk about the basics of the program. I'm gonna give you some tips and best practices to maximize your usage of this valuable mem member benefit. And finally, we'll talk briefly about some of the future enhancements IAM has in store for the RPP and kind of the wider business to business network uh, of IAM. So uh, kind of communicate the why. Why, why are you here? Um, because you wanna know how IAM can save you money in the future. And this to me is demonstrable evidence that IAM saves our members money. In 2015, we made this a member benefit for all governing and core members of the association. And since that time, the value that we can directly calculate for the RPP has only gone up from 2015 all the way through to 2021. Now we are able to calculate this value because we track when we're successful, whether it's whether we're intervening between members to facilitate an open debt or whether we're compensating members to resolve an open debt. So those green bars you see are essentially uh, us aggregating those two numbers up and saying, how much we uh, direct value did we uh, deliver to the members each year divided by how many members we have? And that's where you see those numbers. Now I said, uh, I alluded to the fact that we uh, get involved in two ways. Essentially we intervene on behalf of members to help resolve that open debt. And then we compensate members if that debt is, uh, is no longer, uh, can no longer be solved because the debtor has gone out of business. On the first part here, we have our intervention program, RPP intervention, which is a subset of the RPP. And you can see how successful we are here in terms of, uh, you know, uh, on the left side, the y-axis shows how much money we are resolving between members each year. So in 2018, you can see that high watermark of almost $700,000 that IAM helped to resolve between members. Uh, and then over the past few years, it's been roughly uh, a little bit under $500,000 that we're intervening, uh, helping to resolve through intervention. And then we have our resolution rate. Uh, and over time, uh, uh, we have hovered up above 70%. Uh, one thing I want to emphasize with this chart is that uh, as these debts age and mature and we have more opportunities to utilize the tools that we have to enforce repayment, we are generally able to resolve those debts. It may not be immediately, but we are over time able to resolve those debts um, down the road. So I would expect you know, if we were to come back this time next year, the resolution rates for uh, 2020 and 2021 would have come up because we have the tools that we use to compel payment operating and hopefully those are working. 
And then we have our compensation amounts. Again, uh, if an IAM member goes out of business, IAM will directly pay you up to the value of that invoice uh, uh, provided that debtor has gone out of business. Now those shaded, those bars shaded in dark green are confirmed amounts. Um, the bar shaded in light green is our 2021 in, uh, amount. That is our projection right now for how much we're gonna pay out uh, to resolve claims lodged in the 2021 fiscal year. It is not yet final. So I just wanna highlight that there, but we're looking at about a compensation payment of about $200,000 uh, to resolve those debts that were lodged last year. So again, that's what uh, compo comprises this RPP value for your company. Um, that blue line just shows the, the line going up. And so if you're not using the RPP yet, learn it, uh, get acquainted with it, put a process in place in order to take full advantage of it. And, you showing up to this session today is the first step towards doing that. Okay, so the basics of the RPP. Um, as governing and core members of the association, each of you, when you pay your dues, pays into the RPP reserve fund. Our supplier members do not pay into that, uh, so they don't get the full range of services through the RPP, uh, but they are able to take advantage of the intervention process. These funds that are paid into the RPP reserve um, fund are then used to pay out on the compensation and any administrative fees that IAM incurs with the operation of this program. The IAM executive committee oversees the RPP with the help of our budget and finance committee. And as I've alluded to uh, just, just now with the value, there are two processes that fundamentally make up the RPP. That's what I wanna to transition to next. And I wanna talk about from the very top. So, uh, you know, we have a bunch of members here. I know, uh, you know, I, I think I saw Chris Lance, the chair of our, our uh, domestic asset-based mover group uh, with Beacons. So I'm gonna use his company as an example here. Uh, so if Beacons was owed money by another member, uh, Chris can go ahead, report that debt to IAM we will record the debt along two questions, uh, assess the, the debt based on two questions. Does it qualify for RPP intervention and does it qualify for RPP compensation? Let's get into how RPP intervention works first, okay? So if it qualifies, uh, it, that question of RPP intervention, how we answer that question is as follows. Okay. If what Chris reports to IAM with the RPP, if that debt is at least $3,000 and it stems from the transport or storage of used household goods, personal effects, or privately owned vehicles, we can intervene on your behalf. Now, our rules dictate that we can't intervene until at least 121 days. That's to ensure that IAM is not getting um, you know, uh, overwhelmed with requests to intervene when the debt has not been outstanding that long. But once it hits 121 days, we can intervene. Now, of course, with a program this complex, there are other conditions that apply. So if you wanna know the full range of what's going on in the program, I encourage you, and I hold on, all of a sudden I had a little, 
computer issue that I don't know how that happened. Can you guys still see my screen? No, it's like half. It went to half and now it's gone. Interesting. Okay, let's try it again. I see it, but it's, there you go. It's still, the next slide is, it's like half a slide. Don't you love just computers? Uh, I just need to shut down this operation, okay? Uh, I, I'm curious, Angela, are there any questions in the chat while, while we um, have this break? No, um, no, we're good. Are, are we so back? Far. Can everybody see the screen? Yes, yes Brian. Excellent. Okay. Uh, all right. So I got to get back on track here. Okay. So let's see. It's the next. Yep. You got it. Okay. So we make the determination that, uh, you know, this debt is eligible for intervention. At that point, IAM will intervene uh, on three separate occasions with the debtor company over the space of 45 to 60 days. If that debt gets resolved, great. We're out of the process, we mark it as resolved. Um, and it further demonstrates the value of the program. But if the debt remains unresolved, we have two ways in which we compel payment. First, we will publish the debtor company on the alleged debtor list. Now I put a little um, asterisk up there just to indicate that we do have the discretion to post a company on the alleged debtor list or not. We don't post a company on the alleged debtor list, largely because if we feel that debtor is working in good faith to resolve the debt, and by publishing them on the alleged debtor list, it will have a big reputational impact that will ultimately jeopardize their ability to make that payment in the future, that's when we, we may not put them on the alleged debtor list. In general, though, if we feel like a company has no interest in working towards resolving the process, we, we will publish them on the alleged debtor list, okay? Number two, our uh, way of compelling action here is um, we can expel the debtor from the association. Our bylaws state that at least 10,000 US dollars must be owed to one or, or more members of the network. So if I have a debt that's owed by the debtor and let's say Chris from Beacons has a debt that's owed by the debtor, and it's both 5,000 US dollars, we can both request their expulsion from the association. And because it's 10,000 US dollars or more, they can be expelled from the association. Okay, so that's how we really uh, use our tools to compel payment. I alluded to the alleged debtor list on the, uh, on the previous slide. I encourage you, if you are not seeing this or reading this, um, you need to, and you need to get other people at your company to read it. This shows which companies have gone through the process and are not paying their invoices. This is an advanced warning for your company that before it accepts business, um, you're at least checking that list to ensure you're not accepting business from a company with a demonstrated history of not paying their service provider. So you can find the alleged debtor list each time we put out the ePortal. So if you're not getting the ePortal, raise your hand right now, drop something in the chat so we can make sure it's getting uh, communicated to you in your email. Uh, but it's also available on our website uh, at all times. And that's at iamovers.org backslash RPP. So you can always find it there. 
we are talking about how we can bring that alleged debtorless into a more interactive fashion on mobility exchange. So uh, watch this space for that as well. However, one thing I want to emphasize here, even though a company may be on the alleged debtor list, that alone is not sufficient to trigger a compensation payment. The only way we trigger a compensation payment is if a company goes out of business. Let's talk a little bit more. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. The alleged debtor list also includes a lot of other good information. It has updates to the operating rules and regulations for the RPP. Uh, reporting on our data and statistics for the RPP. It shows you the new members of IAM, shows you the prospective members of IAM. And this is gonna be a place where I ask all of you to get involved. If you're not looking at the prospective member list each month, we need you to, because you have a role in making sure that IAM is not letting in any companies that act counter to what we're trying to achieve with the association. We do our due diligence on every single membership, but you may have a different side of the story that we're not aware of. And so it's really important that all of you take a look at the prospective member list each month. Again, that is available in the ePortal uh, that we circulate every two weeks, as well as always on our website under the membership section. The alleged debtor list also includes information about canceled members, whether those companies have been canceled because uh, they haven't paid their dues, whether they've done a voluntary cancellation, or whether they've done um, uh, whether they've been expelled from the association. So another piece of information that you can use when uh, choosing who to accept business from. And then finally, we also detail the companies who are misusing the IAM name and or logo there. Okay. So how does RPP compensation work? Remember, this is the place where IAM will cut you a check directly uh, in the case that your company has not gotten paid from a debtor, uh, another member who has defaulted on that debt and gone out of business. Okay, let's go. All right, so RPP compensation, if a member goes out of business, an IAM governing or core member may be compensated for the unpaid invoice owed to it. If all conditions are met, that claimant will receive reimbursement. And we disperse money on all approved claims at the end of each fiscal year, subject to program thresholds and limits. I put why there. So we only do it at the end of each fiscal year because we have to account for all the debt incurred to the network over a specific amount of time. Year is the most logical place to do it. And we have to do it at the end of each fiscal year because we have compensation limits that we have to be mindful of. And those compensation limits are there to protect the solvency of the RPP reserve fund. It would be great, you know, if we had a, a really bad year just to, you know, pay out all the money, but then the RPP reserve fund is gone. It's not there for future years. And it's our goal have the RPP be a durable, effective program in perpetuity for all of you. Um, so we have these compensation limits in place to protect that. So the first limitation that I detail here is that, you know, we take 50% of what we have in the RPP reserve fund at the end of the year and say, that is the maximum amount that we can pay out. I'll go through an example in a second so you can see it illustrated. 
Second limitation is, you know, let's take Chris's company. Uh, he can only receive up to 20,000 US dollars in a given year. Even if he has outstanding debts that are above $20,000 and they're from two different companies, the maximum amount we will pay you out per company is 20,000 US dollars. And then finally, this is a little bit in the weeds, I'll try and cover it as quickly as I can. But in the event that we hit that maximum payout, then, and we have a company that has uh, done a significant amount of damage to cause that max payout, we have a further limitation in there that only 35% can be dispersed for, that owes to that company that went out of business. Again, that's a bit complicated, but let's, let's go a little bit further here. In the event that we hit these limitations, okay, proportional payouts will be made. Let's, let's illustrate this with an example because it can get a bit complicated. Okay, so let's say the RPP Reserve Fund has 200,000 US dollars in it. Uh, therefore, you know, 50% of that is 100,000 US dollars. So that's the maximum amount we can pay out to resolve 2021 claims. But we approve claims amounting to 110,000 US dollars in 2021. This exceeds that maximum amount by $10,000. Therefore, proportional payouts must be made. The proportion that is calculated is 90.9%. So all approved invoices are then adjusted by 90.9% to ensure it all fits within that $100,000 limitation. So you can see, you know, let's say Chris from Beacons uh, lodges a claim for 10,000 US dollars against another member who goes out of business. That claim is approved, um, but because we exceeded that maximum total annual distribution limit by $10,000, his payout has to be adjusted by 90.9%, yielding an adjusted payout of 9,090 US dollars and 91 cents. So that's just an example to illustrate how these compensation limits work. I will say in my 12 years at the association, we have only had one time where we paid out uh, where, where we had to go uh, proportional payouts that were less than, you know, 90%. And that was really due to a, a unique example with uh, a company called Relocately uh, several years ago, which caused a lot of damage to the program. If history is any example uh, for the future, when we do hit these proportional payouts, in general, we are compensating you all still at 90 to 95%. Okay, the, these are this these slides have the most text on them, so I appreciate appreciate you guys hanging with me. Uh, but there's so much information with the compensation side that I want to communicate. So just hang with me a little bit longer um, on this. So what's required for your compensation claim? Uh, the unpaid invoice must be reported to IAM within 120 days from the date of its issuance. Don't wait. I said at the beginning, claim early. Put a process in place that once your receivables hit 60 days, you're notifying IAM. The last thing we want to do is deny your claim because it was uh, claimed you know, after the deadline. 
We want to make all of our members whole. That is the spirit of this program. So put a process in place to ensure that you, you don't fall victim to that. Number two, of course, uh, the invoice has to stem from the transport or storage of used household goods, personal effects, or privately owned vehicles. And then number three, the IM member that the claim was issued against has filed for bankruptcy or has ceased to exist. That third point, that last point, is the trigger. Now, there is a caveat there that a company that ceases to exist as a result of a merger and or acquisition by another entity is considered still liable for its debt under the RPP. Therefore, it's not covered under the RPP. Other conditions apply. Again, this is a complex program, but that if I can boil it down to give you a pretty good understanding of what we're doing here, this is generally a good overview. There are two points of confusion that I want to really surface and clear up. The amount to claim. So you can claim any amount. There is, if you want to claim for $1, um, it's probably a waste of all of our time, but the rules dictate that you can claim for any amount. But when it comes to IAM intervening on your company's behalf, we only intervene if the debt is $3,000 US dollars or more. So you can uh, submit a $1,000 claim and be compensated for it, but IAM will not intervene on, on it on your behalf. That's number one. Number two, and this is the most confusing thing, and this is something the staff is working on to uh, bring a little bit more clarity to it, but I wanna really highlight it here. Again, claim before the debt is 120 days old, okay? Claim early. But we can only begin intervening once that debt is 121 days old. Again, this is where having the two processes, the RPP intervention and RPP compensation, can sometimes be confusing. I just want to emphasize to all of you that the safest way is just claim early, 60 days out, start letting us know. That way you will never run into an issue with your claim being denied. And then we will be prepared. If that debt is still outstanding at 121 days, we'll still be ready to help you out. Um, before I get into uh, how to claim for the RPP, uh, I have not checked the chat. I see on my screen, there's about 27 up there. I'm curious if there's any questions we should cover right now before I go into a little bit of an interactive uh, display on how to claim for the RPP. Yeah, Tahir just had a comment um, asking about that. His question was, means we have to inform before 120 days, but I am will only intervene after 120 days. That's correct. Yes. Um, so report early to get to become eligible for compensation should that company go out of business but technically we cannot do any sort of formal action to intervene until after the debt is over 120 days old. Um, the other thing that came up earlier was about the $3,000. Um, and I think you just covered it, but um, the $3,000 total debt owed by, it's a total debt, not per invoice debt that's owed. Um, that is what, um, what we need to do formal intervention, which is the three letters. Um, if it's less than that, we can do something informal, but for compensation, there is no limit except for the $20,000 per claimant. Yeah, correct. So 
uh, yeah, if the total debt is 3,000 US dollars or more, that's when we can intervene. We don't intervene uh, under that limit because our, you know, I am staff and our, our volunteer oversight, our volunteer groups, you know, executive committee and budget and finance committee uh, have had a concern that if we begin intervening at a lower level, then we'll just become overwhelmed with requests to intervene. Now that is always something that we are considering. We're looking at some of the data right now, as well as some of the opportunities we have to automate the process. So that number may change in the future. But at this point, we don't intervene formally until uh, 3000 US dollars or more is owed. Um, anything else from the chat? You may have this on a future slide, but when we talked about the debtor list, how mm -hmm. if once the company is posted to the debtor list, you do business with them after they've been posted, that also negates your claim for compensation. Good, yeah, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's not something that I put on any of the slides, but yes, if a company is published to the alleged debtor list, let's say we publish a company to the alleged debtor list today, um, if you if you accept business from them after that date, it will negate your claim in the future. That is grounds for automatic denial. We have an expectation that members will be watching that space, and we are putting it out in multiple uh, different places so that people can access that. And in general, by that point, um, I think uh, we've given we've given the members some heads up there. So that that is one of the places where. Um, you know, you, you have to watch that list in order to make sure that you're not exchanging business with somebody and, and not having that coverage over you. Okay, um, let's talk about how to claim for the RPP. And I'm gonna get out of this really quick. I'm gonna go over to our test site for mobility exchange. Let me go here. Okay, so I'm logged in here under RPP tester. This is our, 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 our sandbox essentially for mobility exchange. Can everybody see that interface right now? Hearing, yes. hearing yes. nothing, okay, great. I, I forgot that I told everybody to mute their lines. So my apologies. Um, so I've signed into mobility exchange um, and so I, once I've signed in to begin the RPP claim process, I navigate over to admin and then I click the RPP dashboard. Now, these are just some test claims that we have filed uh, over time and testing out the system. This claims dashboard not only shows you the claims that you have lodged against the program, but in the event that my company has had claims lodged against it, it will also show that as well. Now, um, it includes some general information, but really, um, if you wanna get into it, that's when you need to go into this manage claim. And this is a place where you can add information to claims after you've submitted them. But going back here, what I wanna to impart to you is how to file a new claim. So we have this blue button right here. So once you log in and click that RPP dashboard, you can file a new claim here. Once you've done that, then you search for the company name, the company who is the debtor. And let's just use in this example, let's say IAM is the debtor. 
I hope I don't owe any of you any money, but let's just use this as an example. Uh, and we click, uh, the information comes up and I have the ability to select IAM as the debtor. Now, in some cases you may uh, put in uh, the name of a company and they may not be selectable. That shows that that company is not eligible to have an RPP claim lodged against them. That is, you know, non-members of the association as well as former members of the association who have come out of the eligibility period. So uh, 120 days past their membership expiration date, there's no way there's a, a claim that can be lodged against them. So if you have this blue button here, then this company is eligible to be claimed against. And it brings up some general information at the top. The first basic question that you need to answer is whether you want IAM to intervene on your behalf. If you select no, we will keep this uh, information completely confidential. The debtor will not see it. Only IAM and your company will see it. But if you want IAM to intervene on your company's behalf, you just click yes, and you begin to fill out your information. I'm just gonna put it here, Brian Test. Brian L at immovers.org. And we will upload correspondence because that is a necessary thing we have to do. Uh, and I don't know what I have here. I'm just gonna put this new member structure here. And that is a discussion for another day, but I've uploaded the correspondence theoretically here. Uh, that just shows that your company has been following up on the debt, that it hasn't just waited 120 days uh, and then turned it over to IAM. We wanna see that you guys are actually trying to recover the debt yourselves. If you want to add any information in here for IAM staff and the, our, our review team, you can add it into the comments here. Once you've done that, click save. And it is working, it is processing it. So we've saved the high level data here. And at that point, now is time to enter the claimed invoice. So you enter the claim information first, and then you start building out the discrete elements of the, of the claimed invoice. So let's say I have my invoice that I'm waiting on payment for is invoice number 1234. It was issued about 60 days ago. So I'm listening to my own information and it is $5,000. And let's say I build it out in Canada, okay? I save that, and then I'm then prompted to upload the invoice. Now, I would encourage all of you to upload as much information or as much documentation as possible there, just so we can begin to process that claim. I've uploaded the unpaid invoice. Let's say it's for origin services, okay? The debt, let me get out of this. Let's say the debt is for origin services. At a minimum, please upload the inventory, demonstrating that your company has performed the service. If you have the approved quotation for service, please upload that. We, we have to go through the same process that any auditor has to go through to validate that that debt is, uh, is valid and approved. So any documentation you can give us at that point is very helpful to speeding along the process from our side.
Once you've entered the claimed invoice data, it is available here. Uh, in general, we have some prompts here, but we're still working on some of the automation here uh, to make it even more responsive. But in general, the data populates up here. I've entered a $5,000 Canadian dollar invoice up here. It converts to US dollars for our purposes as a US-based organization, and you have filed your claim. Now IAM can see that and, and can take action off of that claim, uh, that claimed invoice. Again, going to those two processes. Can we intervene on your behalf? Can we compensate your company based on the conditions set forth in the program? Now, again, you can always come back here after you've done it and you can see that claim that you just submitted and you can manage it. So if you didn't have all the documentation at the time that you wanted, uh, all the documentation at the time of filing, you can come back in here and you can edit the invoice details and add it here. Any questions on how to file an RPP claim? Right, I don't see any in the chat, but um, I think just mentioned that IAM membership is done by branches. So if you go into the first screen and you're looking for your company to file the claim against, um, multiple, it'll come up by each location. And if it's grayed out, that means they're not a member site. Correct. Um, and in some cases, uh, our, uh, we have parent branches of those companies that have accepted all responsibility for debts under their company. So you would lodge that claim against the headquarters, but um, that's where it, it gets a bit tricky here. Um, from a general perspective, we tie the RPP debt to the service location. So if, if RPP, um, if a service was performed at a branch office, um, that branch office has to be a member of the association. Um, let me go back. Uh, Chuck, I'm sorry, you had a question. Yeah, Brian. So if, if I'm a member and I'm wondering just how much detail I need to provide you, if I'm worried that a company is going out or has gone out of business and I want to uh, be sure to meet my 120 days, but I may not want to upload all the documentation. It may be voluminous and, and I just want to make sure that I meet my uh, 120 day requirement in case I need to follow through with the process. What, what is the minimum amount of detail, the minimum amount of information that I need to upload to be able to document that I've met my 120 days? Yeah, so you can do this in one of two ways, Chuck, good question. Um, you can go in and file the claim and upload the unpaid invoice there and just stop there. Um, just get the unpaid invoice on record. To me, that establishes, uh, you know, the date and, you know, the invoice date, the invoice amount, and the, um, uh, the companies who are involved. And those are the things, and the invoice number. Those are the things I need and our team needs to check the invoice 
against in the future to make sure it's a valid invoice. We also have some companies that are providing us with a monthly statement detailing all the receivables they have to other IM members. That includes those pieces of information. So these companies on a monthly basis, uh, and we are holding these confidentially, so nobody else knows about it, but they're reporting basically a spreadsheet to IAM that says, okay, this is the amount I'm owed by this IAM member. This is the invoice date. Uh, and this is the invoice number. And that is sufficient to establish the debt with the RPP. Uh, so if you would like to explore that option, that spreadsheet option uh, on a monthly basis, get in touch with us at rpp at iamovers.org and we can walk you through that process. Otherwise, uh, if you wanna use the, the claim report um, that I just showed you on Mobility Exchange, just go ahead and get that claimed invoice uploaded there and that will be sufficient for us to record the claim uh, uh, before that 120 days. If it gets resolved, we don't need any further documentation from you. But in the off chance that your, your, the debtor company does go out of business, at that point, we will have uh, established that the debt exists and that we can uh, start collecting the necessary paperwork in order to audit that, uh, that claim. Any other questions? Okay. I'm, I'm rolling towards the finish, guys. Thanks for everybody for sticking with me. I know it's a lot of slides. So key things I want you guys to take away, again, look for the logo on Mobility Exchange. Um, when you go to Mobility Exchange and you search for a company, there is an RPP logo right next to their name. That shows you which companies are covered under the RPP. In general, when you do a search on Mobility Exchange, it defaults to IM members uh, already. So you will already see IM members with the RPP logo there next to their name. But that is a good tip to give you know, either to yourself, if you're the one extending credit or uh, you know, managing the payments between your uh, uh, accepting shipments from other members, that's a key way to mitigate some of the risk. We've touched on it, but I'm gonna emphasize it again. Claim early. Put a process in place so that you're claiming any outstanding invoices older than 60 days I am. I just discussed this, you know, uh, this other method of sharing the, the spreadsheet, reporting the invoice details monthly in a confidential way. Again, get in touch with us and we can walk you through that if you wanna explore that option. Read the alleged debtor list. Um, make sure either you or somebody on your team is watching that and uh, you know, uh, taking the intelligence from that list and, and putting it into practice with whom you accept business from. And then fourth, help us out. Help us build more security into the network by reviewing, commenting, and potentially objecting to any prospective members who you do not feel like are up to the caliber that you expect for IM membership. Okay, so we've covered the RPP as it is today. Um, taking a quick look to the future, I've talked about this confidential reporting. This is something that you know, my, uh, our team here uh, is looking at building out further. Uh, and I, I do wanna give a quick um, hat tip to our team. Um, you know, you've heard from Angela DeConti 
uh, break in on this discussion uh, from time to time over this past hour. Angela has been with us for um, since 2018. She's a great resource on the staff and she just came on full time uh, back in April. Um, uh, and, and just a real resource and she's leading forward uh, helping us with the RPP as well as on ethics cases and scholarship fund and Hall of Honor and all these different programs. And we also hired and you know somebody who has a, a big reputation in the industry, uh, Morgana Summers, who was previously at Paxton. And Morgana's come on part-time with us for right now. We're hoping to bring her on uh, full-time in the near future. And Morgana's gotten involved in this RPP. Uh, and you know, we have a lot of insight in how to run this program, but it's really helpful to have somebody who came in from the perspective of the members and really look at it and how we can improve it. Uh, she has a real great perspective on how we can improve the program in the future. So uh, great team behind the RPP, uh, helping to lead it forward. The other things that we're looking for, uh, looking at is this IAM trusted concept. And this is something that you're gonna be seeing a little bit more over the next uh, few months. This is a pretty, transformative concept that IAM is looking to roll out soon. And this would provide uh, essentially a, a, a business designation for our members who buy into a, a, a code of conduct that is above and beyond membership. And through that, we will have a mechanism to uh, create more, uh, let me think of the right word, have a mechanism to get closer towards when an invoice was issued rather than having to wait 120 days. And we believe this will be a really great tool for our members to solve their own problems. And then if they're not able to solve their own problems, we then have this RPP process in place. We have other processes in place that will help to uh, enforce the behavior that we're looking for whether it's payments or, or ethics or certain things of that nature. That's something I think we can discuss a little bit more in an interactive setting after I finish, um, uh, once, I, once I conclude here. We're also looking at some of these other ideas about, you know, is there a way we can partner with a collections agency so that once our process has um, kind of run its course and we have not been successful, is there a way we can bring out and bring in an outside expert to take it that much step further and provide our members who are owed the money with further recourse to recover that debt? And the last thing here is um, another concept that we're exploring called industry credit groups. And essentially, this is a concept that would allow our members to come together with an outside expert and discuss um, you know, kind of what's going on in the network from a payment standpoint in a way that is compliant with antitrust regulations. And so um, this has been used in other industries that have these types of issues where, uh, you know, members are waiting on payments from big clients. And this is a potential way in which we can uh, further enhance the value proposition of the RPP. Now, nothing set in stone. These may just be ideas that we never execute on, but you know, we are actively looking at how we can continue building value into the program and helping all of you out. So I've done enough talking. Um, I'd like to uh, 
uh, open this up for questions, answers, concerns, thoughts, whatever. Uh, what resonated with you? Uh, what was unclear? Let me help you out on that. Seems like everybody has a great understanding here. Chuck, um, to I, hear, I was gonna say, Angela. to hear had a question about like, if the, some of like the company was I a member, but that particular branch was not, how will we handle that for an RPP claim? So if, uh, can you say that one more time? I'm sorry. So if the company. So, so much of the company is like the different, some of the locations are IAM members, but some are not. If you have a particular claim against that non-member site, could you still file an RPP claim? So let's take an example. I think Eric, Eric Von Even from Goslin might be on the call. I'm not sure. You know, Eric uh, is with Goslin and Goslin has many branches under their network that are members of the association. They also have some, you know, companies within uh, some branches that are not members of the um, of the network. If a branch company of Goslin is not a member of IAM, you cannot file a claim against that branch entity. Now, if Goslin headquarters has said we're going to take responsibility for that branch company by signing them up as a member, they have contributed to the RPP reserve fund. That's when that branch company is, uh, you know, a participant in the program, and the RPP will pay out claims against uh, any debts owed by that branch. Is that clear? So um, well, it seems like I did a great job today. So um, no, uh, just. I, I think if there's no questions, um, you know, I'll, I'll open it up and say, you know, are there ways in which we can enhance the program for all of you? Are there, you know, thoughts that you have any, you know, again, this is an open forum that I'd encourage you to, you all to just kind of weigh in. Um, Brian, sorry. I'm sorry, Chuck White uh, here. I, if, if there is anything that I would emphasize um, over what you've just discussed, it's one, doing business with IAM members so that you are covered by the RPP. And number two is to not wait too long to be able, as Brian's already said a number of times, to contact the association and get, on, get your debts on record. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a debt that's 60 plus days old, getting on record, if you get paid in 90 days, because payment terms, as we all know, have continued to elongate, you know, the whole net 30 thing seems to be a thing of the past. So people are regularly paid in 60, 70 days. And, and that has just become, for many, a, a, a normal business practice. But, but don't wait, because that company that you're dealing with typically pays in 90 days and you wait and think it's really not overdue till it becomes a hundred or more, get on record, go ahead. Nothing, there's no harm, it is confidential. And if you end up being paid on that, then fine, nothing, nothing lost, nothing gained here. So I, those are the two things that I would continue to foot stomp with you. It doesn't 
cause you any heartache or pain to go ahead and file. And I would emphasize, you know, one thing that, you know, we've heard from members in the past is they're reluctant to file a claim against companies that have, you know, a lot of business. And if they file a claim, you know, will that jeopardize my business and uh, jeopardize the flow of shipments from that, that client, um, that big booker. And I would just emphasize again, claiming is confidential. You can submit that claim and say, I don't want IAM to intervene by clicking no. That is the default setting. Um, so you don't, if you are worried about jeopardizing that business relationship, we can still accept those claims without them knowing about it. And, you know, one thing that, you know, we've had other webcasts about improving the financial climate in the industry. One thing that we always come back to is we need people to report. In order to uh, really have a better idea of what's going on in the industry, we need our members to report. And through that, we have some way of helping all of you. It's when you don't report, we don't, we can't help you. And that's when, it, you know, I think people get frustrated. So, um, Brian, it, there is yeah. some some discussion in the chat, and, and I I agree with. It, it, is it acceptable to? offer 30 days as your normal payment terms it, it should you be waiting you know, allowing people to go longer than that i mean those are business decisions that each of you have to make sure we would love to be able to have everybody pay in a net 30 but more and more i hear from our members particularly when we're dealing with large rmcs and and other entities that have a lot of business that 30 days because of the use of auditing companies by those organizations, et cetera, et cetera, the 30 days is not the typical term anymore. So, I mean, these are business decisions that you need to make uh, as, as you move forward, but you have this backstop, you have this backdrop of the receivables protection program that while you can extend that credit out further, you still need to try to protect yourself when working with IAM members. Hey, Brian, um, I, I just wanted to uh, mention the IAM trusted program, which is under development and discussion right now. And we need input from IAM members on this. The RPP program is a very valuable program. And I think you've demonstrated that clearly. What we're talking about doing is taking it to the next stage. Uh, Lake, you're, you're asking about people paying in 30 days. I think those that do pay in 30 days should be rewarded, they should be recognized, and they should be able to put that out there uh, to the industry that says, I am a good payer, I will stand behind my credit reputation, and there will be a code of conduct that is enforceable within uh, the IAM, through IAM Trusted, that will guarantee that to uh, it, the membership. Um, most of uh, the, the um, guidelines have been formulated, but we are looking for member feedback on this program. It, it seems to be that's what you're asking for. So we're really interested in your comments on that. Yeah, right. I, I think it's, uh, and Morgana has a question. I'll just make one point off of that. Um, I, I, it's, it's in development. I think we're getting closer to a point where we're, we're getting ready to really launch it to the members. And I think it's probably worth a webcast on that alone, Ray. 
you did do a session at our annual meeting and uh, you know that that is available on I am learning. Uh, so if you are interested in I am trusted, you can check out that recording there. But as Ray said, um, basically this concept is is composed of two different things, a code of conduct that is essentially verifiable uh, so that you know people are not just opting into airy fairy standards that there are uh, standards that we are designing that we believe will actually create a more secure network for our members. And then there is a mechanism by which we, an automated mechanism by which we can hopefully uh, provide uh, an automated mechanism by which when there is a complaint between two members, they are put in a position to resolve that complaint themselves. Again, if that complaint can't be resolved by them, uh, by themselves, we do have other processes in place that we can use it. But Ray makes a key point. If a company uh, is, not, is not resolving those issues and they're gonna lose their I am trusted status. So again, this is a bit complex. I think there's room for a whole other webcast on this concept, but we are really working hard to create a more secure environment for the whole network. Uh, Morgana. Yeah, so it's on, a, on the same topic there, really. Um, maybe where I am could really be an asset to members is advocating and trying to educate clients and customers and RMCs on how payments work internally with members. I mean, it's a different story to be able to pay an invoice for origin services or for destination services within 30 days, right? If you're delivering, it should be feasible because most contracts you can, um, you know, you can invoice upon delivery. But if it's origin services and then it's you know, 60 days out to destination and with COVID 100 days out, 200 days out, um, you know, the controlling agent isn't getting paid. And that means that generally they're not able to pay um, the, the delivery agent yet, or sorry, the originated agent time. Um, so maybe it's that is really educating the corporates into how it works internally and how we can stop being banks as an industry and be movers. Yeah, I think on the military side and Correct me if I'm wrong for some of the people who do military work. I, I don't think that's as much of a problem, but that is definitely something we hear a lot about on the corporate side. Um, it, it, you know, I'll ask, you know, Lake, you know, is, is that the case, you know, with, with the payment system that DOD has in place and GSA? Well, on the DOD side, we, we haven't seen it be much of an issue as far as getting billed and paid timely. Um, you probably have to ask the people that do international um on the military side for that i mean domestic's a lot easier um but on the international side you'd have to probably ask somebody how how timely they're able to invoice because that really is a problem i know in a lot of government sectors you you can actually bill like in the nuclear sector you can actually bill um in advance of the contract um you know startup costs and mobile they call it a mobilization draw so you can actually get a mobilization draw if you're doing a large project, you know, that doesn't start for six months, you still, you have to hire people, get equipment, get stuff in place and all this. So there's ways to get advanced money on, you know, contracts. So I would imagine in the, in the corporate world, there's a way to go, Hey, once you complete this part of the service, you know, you can bill for this part of the service. Cause, cause she's right. Morgan's right. It, it's absolutely untenable for an origin agent to sit there and think that they can do a service and then turn around and tell their employees, their contractors, their insurance people, whatever, hey, we'll pay you in 120 or 200 days. <laughs> we used to have that conversation with the government when they weren't paying time. It's like, hey, would you go without a paycheck for four months? No. Well, I expect us to. So I think it's kind of the same boat. 
Yeah, I think the, the terms that a TSP extends to their government account or their corporate account is between them and the account. It shouldn't affect the payment terms to their uh, underlying suppliers and agents. So, um, and, and this is what we're trying to address here. So Brian, within the military business, there is a big issue. The TSPs get paid by the government. How quickly the TSP turns around and pays the agent, that's something else. And that, that directly applies to, to the domestic asset-based mover group, because those are the agents that are providing the service and maybe not getting paid. Um, and this is where, you know, the RPP, I think we have a tool here, but all this discussion that we're just bringing up, it, it, we can bring more value to it. So uh, I think this is a valuable uh, conversation on how we move forward in the future. Um, it's now the top of the hour. Um, I know you guys could sit here for five more hours and listen to the RPP. I, I, I hate to pull the plug on you, but um, you know, if, if you're a member of the association, please um, reach out to us at rpp at immovers.org. If you have questions, we are here to help. If you are not a member of IAM, join us, get, value, get this valuable coverage over you. Um, and we have a whole range of benefits that are available to members as well. So unless there's anything else, I'll just thank you all for joining us today. Thank the DAB and the DAB Management Board for helping us put this on. And thank you all. Appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you for listening to the IAM podcast. If there's ever anything you need from IAM, you can contact us at membership at iamovers.org or contact us by going to the Contact Us page on the IAM website at iamovers.org. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. We want to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash iamovers slash message. I will also put the link in the show notes so you can click on it right there.